Welcome to the Nerdaplexy Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. Eat me. <laughs> Oh, that took me by surprise uh, yet again the, for the second time. And also helping us out um, with this family affair is a, another family member is Dave. My username is the face of Dave, and I have seen evil. I have seen horror. I have seen the unholy maggots which feast in the dark recesses of Twitter. Sit back, relax, and grab your knife mobile as we dive into Adam's Family Values. That makes it sound like a car. All I could think about this whole movie is, I mean, what if what if, what if that screw comes loose in the ceiling? The, the knives were directly over the baby. I'm sure that there was a lot of safety practices. I assume the parents be, would be on set and they're just like, I want to make sure this is inspected 18 times. Oh, I was just talking about the, the Adams baby, the, the fiction baby. Yeah, we were talking in, oh, yeah. in universe. Yeah. Oh, in universe. Oh, they don't care about that. <laughs> I, I, they've, they've, as evidenced multiple times, they're unkillable. The knives would have landed in a silhouette of the baby. I wanted to bring this up later. What are the rules? What are the murder? Because they talk about trying to murder each other. They attempt to murder each other. And that's not like bad. The attempt is not. Would would they be in trouble if they actually completed a fracture side? I don't think so. They couldn't. I don't think so either. It can't be done. In the first one, they killed a lawyer. They kill all those carolers, too. I'm, That's true. You don't get tarred and then they're like, just go home. The non-Adamses definitely die. Although, there's a cemetery filled with Adamses. Yeah, and how they died. But there must be like one day of the year when they can die. I think the world that they live in, that their house area is enchanted because they don't actually stay dead if they don't want to. I wonder if that's what it is. It's like, as your time as an Adams is up... You are finally ready for that thing to kill you, that comic device to kill you. Because the Adams is, they're, they're not, Gomez and Morticia are not offended or really upset, more annoyed by the idea of a, a fratricide. Is that what you, it's called when you kill a sibling? I think it falls under general fratricide. Yeah, I think so. I, I'll allow it. <laughs> They don't seem upset. They're more just annoyed at the trouble of it. The cleanup. We're talking to Adam's Family. I don't know if you could tell so far. The movie is Adam's Family Values. This one was released November 19, 1993. Directed again by uh, returning director Barry Sonnenfeld. Starring, all returning, Raul Julia, Angelica Houston, Christopher Lloyd, Christina Ricci. And now joining the cast, we have... Joan Cusack, and Carol Kane as Granny. And a couple great cameos. A couple of great cameos, yeah. a couple other characters that we'll cover. Let's wait on some of those till they come up a little mm-hmm. bit naturally because mm-hmm. I don't want to oversaturate. And there's one that I'm so excited about. I'm so happy about <laughs> that we'll get to a little bit later. So this is um, a sequel, and it's picking up basically right after the first one left off. I'd say nine months directly after the first movie ended, and they're having a baby. Right now. Pubert. <laughs> it's a filthy name. This whole opening sequence is just a blast, and we'll come back to that name as well. They have the baby. That was a direct quote. 
they're in the hospital. Morticia is being wheeled through the halls and Gomez is extremely horny for the details. You can say amorous. Amorous. He's extremely amorous for the details. He horny for it. He's asking, Are you in unbearable pain? Is it inhuman? My darling, is it torture? We. Oui. She's fucking loving it because they're Adamses. Up is down, yes is no. Because in the immortal words of Wednesday Adams, they had sex. They did do that. There's a girl with them trying to tell them how babies are made, about how their parents made a baby. and Mommy kissed Daddy, and the angel told the stork, and the stork flew down from heaven and left a diamond under a leaf in the cabbage patch, and the diamond turned into a baby. Kind of not unlike the Dennis the Menace explanation of how babies are made and then... Installation, yeah. Uh, Our parents are having a baby, too. They had sex. <laughs> like we stated on the previous Adams Family, these children have watched their parents have sex on multiple occasions, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, it's commonplace. They don't have a TV, so... <laughs> it's a different life. You know, it's a different style. It's a life where you arm wrestle a disembodied hand. And lose. No, he didn't lose. Oh, he won. Oh, that's he won. true. He did. He... I think he was hamming it up to make Thing feel good. Thing doesn't have an elbow. Thing doesn't have leverage. Not really a good sport. Thing can drive a car. There's lots of unanswered Thing questions that I'm terrified to find out. He has a hand. He can throw a brick down, and then he used the hand to to turn the wheel. Again, no leverage, but you have to suspend disbelief. Thing also is <laughs> has forcibly been made to make sex to fester. Oh, boy. We're just right to it, huh? We're just right to it here. I hate to wait for it because... It was very chilling. There's a lot of moments like that. Point of this movie is there, Fester's trying to find love. Yeah. And uh, he finally does find love with a nanny, or so he thinks. But they talk about how he's never been physical. Maybe there might be someone for me. There's thing. Oh, I know, I know. But I want more. Legs, elbows, head. He implies that Fester has violated Thing in a sexual way. <laughs> yes. Thing literally shudders. So it's a new baby is born. Everyone's excited. Yes. The baby has a pencil mustache. Well, is it a boy? Is it a girl? And Gomez has the perfect answer. It's from Adams. I love it. And also, it's played by twin girls. So... Oh, interesting. Yeah. Did not know that. Great great fact grab, Sam. Yep. You can have a chocolate. Thanks. <laughs> but there is a little tension at home. Like Sam said, baby Pubert does come home. He's got a little mustache. He looks like a little Gomez. Pubert actually was the original name intended for Pugsley that was rejected by the um, original author. He thought it was too weird. <laughs> too weird for the Adams family author is impressive yeah they asked they kind of came back and they said if there's going to be another Adams what would you call it and he said well you know I, I, I was trying to go with pubert but <laughs> a little too much for the what was it the New York Times they originally printed it I believe so pubert does have a lot of great qualities we come to realize for one he breathes flaming arrows he has yeah. Gomez's father's eyes he has my father's eyes Gomez, take those out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. He's precocious. What I want to say about this movie up front-ish after we talk about Dirty Deeds, no matter what happens in the movie at this point, at the first, like, 10 seconds, you realize that they can't screw this up because the chemistry is, like, wildly good. 
it's so good that they could have literally written anything and with those people it would have been enjoyable you're having so much fun just watching them all having so much fun together right the first one was a proof that they can do it and after that this one is just them showing off because i mean literally they show things doing like roller skate tricks for no other reason except to show off and if tech deck would have been out at the time i'm pretty sure they'd have been doing those um and then would slay i love the artwork in the baby's room with like that really like the grim animals painted everywhere. I really thought it was striking. I thought it like they didn't have to do that for a kid's movie. Well, uh, an air quote kid's movie. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't no kid's movie. But they didn't have to. And it was just such a nice touch. And then later on in the movie. There's so many of those. Fester is reading a book at his bed and the book is strange men and the women who avoid them. <laughs> Yet again, this movie is as joke dense as the first one. There were so many... After the first sequence, the pregnancy sequence, I didn't even bother writing any of the gags down because there's so many you you couldn't you couldn't document them all. Mm-hmm. But I did. But we've gave it a big old try. <laughs> Wednesday tells Pugsley after the baby comes home. Now that we've got a new baby, we're going to get rid of one of the existing children, and the only way to prevent that is to kill the baby. baby. So there is a 10-minute montage right up front within the first act of this story where two children try to kill their sibling Mm -hmm. for laughs. Yeah, they try to guillotine him, um, but he's a little too strong and agile. He grabs that guillotine blade right before it cuts his head off. They use him like a puppet and make him plead guilty. Oh, yeah. But uh, speaking of puppets, right after this, they're interviewing nannies and uh one of them has a has a little puppet and the funniest in my opinion the funniest moment of the whole movie wednesday pulls out a little devil puppet (laughs) and makes the little hands rub together like in an evil fashion and i registered an actual laugh for me i mean normally i say like that was really funny but i don't laugh but i really laughed at that i got a couple of belly laughs in this and spoiler no spoiler i don't as we talk through this maybe i'll feel differently about it but I didn't enjoy my Adams Family experience as much this time. But I do believe that this is a better Adams Family vehicle. I don't know. It feels more Adamsy. There was one joke with the other nannies. Every nanny was done. Then Joan Cusack's character comes in from the agency. And then Morticia says, oh, I thought everybody from the agency quit. I thought there was no way they were coming. And then Gomez Adams says... They suggested a Doberman, which is such a good joke from the Omen. I love that gag so much. It's extremely joke dense. These movies, these two, Adam's Family and The Values, are about as close as you can get to a live action cartoon, I think. The jokes are so dense. It's so absurd in a way that is shocking and like morbid, but that only endears you more to these characters. It causes such a dissonance. Speaking of which, something that caused me quite a bit of dissonance is they were on the nanny hunt. They're interviewing new nannies, and Joan Cusack, a.k.a. Deb, seems to be the perfect fit. Thing jumps up on her shoulders. Speaking of Thing being sexually abused, Thing jumps up on her shoulders, and then she puts Thing's finger in her mouth in an extremely disturbing finger lick. Now, it's important which finger. Is that a sex finger? Because I think we established that one of them is the disembodied hands. It would be the middle finger, right? 
Would that be the middle? I think it would have to be. I was thinking pointer because of because of the the gesture. You wouldn't do that with a middle finger. But if the, if it was walking, if it was mobile, do you think it would still be the pointer finger, or would it be? Can you do it while you're walking? Maybe it would be more. Yeah, it's got to be the index finger. It's got to be the index finger, isn't it? Yeah. So she sucked his finger. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> That was a sentence I wasn't ready for. Yeah, I was actually. I think I actually wrote that down. And and there's so much that Joey Cusack looks great in this, by the way. Oh yeah, amazing. After Fester clocks her, he's he's feeling a certain type of way because he starts re- reading a nudie magazine, and Gomez catches oh. him, and they find oh, out that the God. nudie magazine is of their mom. Oh. <laughs> Not to be outdone. There is a version of Cinderella that Joan Cusack reads whenever she knows Fester is uh, right behind her. And, uh, And it reads a little something like this. My name is Cinderella, she said to the prince. Could you tell me who is that man over by the punch bowl? That fascinating man. That oddly sensual man. That man who makes me quiver under my bodice. That bald man. Kids can't watch this movie. Kids can't watch this movie. This should have been rated R or X or something. (laughs) This should be rated R. It should be a hard R for sure. This is one of the most sexual movies I've ever seen in my Mm -hmm. life. This is orgasmo level sexual. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's PG-13. At least right. Sausage Party level sexual. It should be R. This movie should be R. This is much hornier than Sausage Party, easily. And that's Dave's barometer for every movie. Is it, <laughs> is, it is this Sausage Party horny or not? Yeah. Where is it uh, on a scale of one to Sausage Party? This is beyond. It's, <laughs> this it's is one an to Adam's Family Values. Yeah. <laughs> we know that Joan Cusack is a black widow because they show an interstitial, an Unsolved Mysteries even in the Unsolved Mysteries, they're like, we know this lady killed these people, but there's nothing we could do about it, basically. If you're single, <laughs> watch out. And she's watching it, and she is vibing. She is loving it. Oh, she loves it. You find out that she's not just killing these dudes for their money. She takes pictures at the scene of the crime, and she creates slideshows. There's a whole PowerPoint. Right, but she finds out quickly that Wednesday is going to be tough to get around because she's a little too quick-witted, so she hatches a plot. She's on to her. The B-plot, if you will, to this movie. Yes. To send the kids to Camp Chippewa. It means orphan. While she's in repose, watching her Unsolved Mystery, I'm guessing, is this live or maybe she just taped it? Uh, but <laughs> That actually tracks. Yeah, right? It's got to be a tape. This is... The hour that I watch. Right before I go to bed. Yeah. Uh, it's when I watch my episode. She's got a bunch of her research materials laid out in front of her. And it's a bunch of magazines. And it's like a rich bachelor. And one of the magazines was Rich Freaks magazine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lonely millionaires. <laughs> yeah. There, there was so many. I caught like three of them. But there was like 20. There were so many. But she is... The Black Widow, and she is out after Fester. Okay, so the kids go to summer camp. It's uh, Camp Chippewa. and Which means First Nation. Yes, it does not mean. Doesn't mean orphan. <laughs> That's the line from the movie. Yes, it is. 
That is the line from the movie, and it's very sarcastic, and it's pretty good, but it is factually inaccurate. What is true, and what is undeniable, is that this summer camp is run by Janos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ghostbusters 2. If everything you're doing is bad, I want you to know this. Yes, it is. <laughs> he is... Sticky with goo. Is this our first movie with Janos? I know we had um, Vigo in our Halloween spectacular. We had Vigo, but now we've completed the set. Yes. Okay. Hey guys, keep track. He's gonna come. Fa- he's coming fast and furious. <laughs> well, I punch your. All right, everyone at home, punch your cards. This is our first Peter McNichol movie. So punch your cards. It's also our first Christine Bransky. So yeah. Um, if you're tracking that as well. If it's on the bingo card. She's the other camp counselor. There should be a bingo card. Uh, secondary character in a Ghostbusters movie. Once we hit 100, we'll go back. Tertiary yeah. character in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> Who was the tertiary Buffy? Amanda Buckman. Oh, no fucking shit. Are you kidding me? Yeah, she's Harmony. Ah, no wonder. Harmony Kendall, Yeah. Amanda Buckman also is the Girl Scout in the first Adams Family movie. Yep. Are they made from real Girl Scouts? Oh, that's fun. They brought her back. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Yeah, she gets a much more uh, beefed up part. She is uh, Wednesday's antagonist, certainly, at uh, Camp Chippewa. What's up with this camp? This is some real disturbing. The camp for privileged people. <laughs> Camp KKK up in it. Jeez Louise. They're yeah. not even sugarcoating it. No, they definitely weren't. I even messaged Sam when I was watching. I was like, ooh, that Jamal joke doesn't age well, huh? That, that oh, was not a boy. good joke. Well, they just couldn't pronounce Jamal. I don't know if that's it's I don't know if that registers as a joke, honestly. <laughs> except except when he was like, It's Jamal, and she was like, I don't care. I said whatever. Or whatever, yeah. But that's not the yeah. There's like there's a lot of instances. It's pretty tough, and it's very yet again. It's all done for a gag, and I understand like the gag that they're. You're not supposed to like these people. It's a good gag, but it's a shocking gag to find in the follow up to the Adams family. This yet again, if this was in uh, Wet Hot American Summer, mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh yeah, okay, like this is a competing camp where they're making these jokes, mm-hmm. but they're so overt. I can't believe that this was in. A family blockbuster. If I had to guess, I would say they're showing that the Adams family, whereas they're this horribly morbid family, and they're showing that there's a lot of horrible morbidity in real life. And these, Under the guise. these, are, these yeah. are the ones you might see every day. You know, the Adams family are obviously a trumped up version, way darker and what have you. But this is this is the horror of real life. The message, I think, is good. And I think it comes across really well, but it's just not like jaded at all. They like hit it right on the head a couple of times. And especially for 93, it's like, wow, that, wow. You're like, good on you, Sonnenfeld, honestly. It wasn't like over the top, which was good. It, but like you said, it over the top was good. But huh. another one for the bingo card. We talk about that a lot. <laughs> Come on there. Maybe, maybe, maybe Steve will pick that one. Oh, we, yeah, this nice. is like the third mention. <laughs> Lincoln Hawk. Lincoln Hawk. I'm wrestling this guy. I've never watched it. I do know it exists. Well, we already talked about arm wrestling in this episode, so. And that's a double whammy. And then we did have Stallone last episode, so. So we're at the camp, and there's one more notable addition that I do want to bring up before we move on to the uh, the next act. 
at the camp, a young David Krumholtz playing the character Joel Clicker, who turns out to be Wednesday's uh, simp. <laughs> Bo. Simp. Oh, come on, Sam. I don't know. He, he, Isn't he? He goes to he goes to war. He he suits up, man. I don't know. I think he, that, that's like a derogatory term, and I don't know that that exactly applies. I mean, because he's kind of got. A, I understand the energy that you you're you're projecting on him, but I think it's a little bit more dignified. Sub certainly. Simp. I don't know. Well, if I look at Urban Dictionary, I think I hit it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just speaking of the connotation is all. I understand. And I don't mind it being cut, but it's just what I wanted to say to you. (laughs) (laughs) He's a submissive. That's what I said. A sub. A sub. He's certainly a sub. That's the same thing. It just depends on the, I guess it just depends on your tone. Some people would would offer up that I'm I'm the simp for this particular thing, you know, is necessarily. It sounds derogatory, though. I mean, there's, you know, I guess. It depends on who's saying it, I guess. Well, I guess if you simp for that. I don't know. I think it's touching. Oh, I love it. I, lo- yeah, I love their relationship. I think it, it's a lot of fun. Is the best part of the, of the camp stuff is is their vibe. Although, if you're, I understand the arc, and this is kind of a Christina Ricci movie, kind of Wednesday's movie, really, if it's anything. But if you are Pugsley, Jimmy Workman, mm-hmm. does that rankle? Because they just brought in another kid. Because you, you you ain't got the juice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Because he's got the look, and that's pretty much it. I hate to disparage a child actor. He was better in the first one. He just doesn't have anything to do in this one. He's just kind of like Wednesday's like... Her muscle. He's got some good bits. He had better bits in the first one, but he still has some solid things. He gets a couple of good laughs. There are some scenes that it's blink and you miss it, but in the background at one point during the camp scenes, he's in the background trying to hang himself. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's so good. I mean, stuff like that is, it's not important. It's literally just played for a gag, and that's kind of his wheelhouse. He can't push the story forward. His physical acting is is incredible, though. If they do like a Three Stooges remake, call my man Jimmy Workman. He's got it. His physicality is very good, and they use him They use him well. So I, I think maybe actually, Sam, you were right, and, and they got him, they got the balance just right. David Krumholtz as Joel Glicker is also playing it very good. Is Wednesday attracted to him because he's kind of a millhouse type? He's always like on the verge of death. He's allergic to everything. Yeah. I think the hatred of where he was was a bit of what attracted her to him as well. His misery, mm-hmm. his despondence. Yeah, they, they they get along well. I really like there's a moment they're sitting on the beach and they're talking and she's basically like, so like, what's your whole deal? And he's like, ah, I'm allergic to anything. And he says, do you know what happens if my mom uses a fabric softener? What? I die. And she scooches closer. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, this is my man. I kept thinking, though, with all of the camp scenes, I was like, Wes Anderson watched this movie a billion times so he could make Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and it was, for sure. Which I'm glad he did because Moonrise Kingdom is a perfect movie, but th- I, it was definitely like this would have been... I wish the dog didn't have to die. Well, yeah, that's true. But <laughs> Well, Wes Anderson is Joel Licker, is the kid, yeah. the sick kid in this, and he was obviously 
there's a um, a Wednesday or a Margot character that he was infatuated with. And that's like informed his his whole very super successful career. Yeah. And I think it speaks more to Wednesday's character that she can see this guy as like a an extremely pliable mate, someone who will literally do whatever she says. And she does have that vibe where she wants to be in control 100 percent of the time. And that's made evident even much later during a touching scene whenever you know she's talking about the black widow of it all and how if she wanted to kill her husband she would just you know she would just do it scare him to death yeah like you know she she's she's i don't know what i'm trying to say it doesn't matter what she's interested really is in his level of intuitiveness because mm-hmm. that's what it really means to be an adams is you just have to buy in at mm-hmm. 100% and then you're fine and that's what i think really draws her to him because he's like oh whatever your cookie bullshit is yeah i'm fine let's do it like like that's let's me now go yes exactly even later on paints the pencil mustache yes he does and then she's like that's disturbing wait a minute here's the question did he do that or did it just happen did he put on the cravat <laughs> and it just popped that's a great question Oh, there is a lot of magic in that within those walls. Well, because the baby is separated from the family and turns into like a normie baby. Curly blonde hair baby. Yeah. Like a friendly baby. So much so that it changes the room around the mm-hmm. baby into a normal room. It changes those paintings. And I thought that that was such as like a great supernatural kind of metaphysical touch to put on the atoms is that if you are thinking weird gloomy thoughts it's fine it's good and that's like how we vibe Mm -hmm. but once the circle was broken the crack started to show and the magic was gone not unlike on canto (laughs) once they separated the candles started to flicker and they all turned back into normal people. Yeah, and that's Reed's barometer on on how magical (laughs) a movie is, you know, from a scale of one to Encanto. (laughs) Uh, i i watched it uh after the last uh time we talked and i'm i was in kanto it's a good movie it's a good it is good i my criticism notwithstanding it's a good movie it's just that every song is such a lin-manuel miranda song oh yeah it's it doesn't (laughs) even have a genre space it's like a movie about a Spanish-speaking like culture, so yeah, he's all in there. Oh yeah, no, and it's great, and and I have no problem with it. But it's like I said, th- that whole soundtrack. If George Washington sang "We Don't Talk About Bruno," I wouldn't have blinked an eye. Or that uh, surface pressure or something. The under pressure one was yeah, really. Yeah, that's a great song. <laughs> anyway, speaking of budding romance, the dynamic, the visuals were amazing. Speaking of budding romance, incredible. Speaking of a budding romance, um, there uh, is a a dinner scene with Gomez, Morticia, and they're setting up Fester with the nanny. Peggy, what's her name? Debbie. Oh, yeah, such a beautiful name, Debbie. Um, So it's a double date, and it's going pretty well for Fester. He only throws up on Debbie once, <laughs> and uh, th- and that's great. And there is a dance scene. Oh my goodness, the dance number, uh, the uh, an obligatory Adams Family dance scene. And I, all I wrote for that was, I mean, the the score really shines because they do the Adams Family theme song. Yeah, that little like tango version, a million different styles, and every single time I'm like, that's good. That's cool that they did it that way. Lurch opens with like a weird version on the on the organ. They do it a couple of different times. 
this one like got me kind of like pumped up a little bit. If I'm being honest, yeah, they got they got a lot of bang for their buck with the Adams Family theme song. This score is incredible. So uh, the the dance scene culminates in Morticia spinning so fast that the floor burns, and I think everyone's champagne gets popped. The champagnes do jizz. They do. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, thanks. Thanks for just saying it. <laughs> I'm gonna clip that later. That's gonna be my ringtone. The champagne. <laughs> no, there's no other way to. There's no other way to describe what happens. There isn't. There truly isn't. And I, I was worried because I was, I was trying to think of a way to say it, and you just, you nailed it, didn't you? If it's not from a specific place in France, it's just wine ejaculate. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, anyway, the other, another cool thing in that scene is we see Morticia take muscles off of somebody's plate and use them as castanets so that's three three purposes for seashells in two movies right because you eat the muscles you use them as castanets and when you're done you can use that to to, uh, uh to pinch the poop to scoop the poop i think you scoop with one and then you unscoop with the other i think so musical instrument food and something to scrape poop from your butt did i get it all I mean, yeah. you didn't talk about turtle cloaca on this episode yet, so no. That's the question. That's the question you ask after you're done <laughs> scraping your butt with seashells. Did I get it all? Did I get it all? Yeah. And then who cares? <laughs> it's the future, baby. Nerdplexy.com. Subscribe at the monthly level, five dollars. So we've got Debbie and Fester on a midnight graveyard walk. They're talking about their future, and eventually Fester starts professing his love and listing all the things that he would do to have Deborah in his life. And the last thing, which is, he said, I'd do anything. I'd pay. And then she <laughs> perks up, which was really fun. Camp isn't going well for the kids. They're imprisoned in the Harmony Hut, which is like a timeout zone. And there's a joke where the kid who's afraid of everything goes into the hut and sees a picture of Michael Jackson and screams. Yeah. That is exactly what you think it is. That's the 1993 joke of it. There's a couple of those Austin Power level current times jokes in here that do not age particularly well. When they're researching serial killers, David Krumholtz, gets in the mail his collection of psychos and serial killer cards and they're going through and they do find the black widow Mm -hmm. um who at this point uh, is engaged to uncle fester and then pugsley wants to trade an amy fisher card which cool (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i definitely had to go to the wiki for who amy fisher was because i did not remember and then when i did i was like that shouldn't have been there that joke should not have been there I would labor to call that one a joke. Yeah. It's just like a current event. There's a murder that was, that did occur. In your summer block, well, I guess not summer, in your Christmas blockbuster. Yeah, she she did do a shoot, Amy Fisher, and that shouldn't have been in this movie. All of them, they're all killers, I don't know. They weren't recent ones. Like, they were talking about, like, Jack the Ripper and stuff. They weren't, they were recent, right? Debbie is the most recent one there could be. True. I know it's a real life one, but it's the kind of... Well, and also in, in Demolition Man, the Jeffrey Dahmer joke, this is just some black comedy sneaking into your PG-13 movie. This is the one to have the black comedy, I would say. 
Talk about black comedy. During the bachelor party, they have a stripper in the cake situation for Fester because they're getting married. But apparently Lurch baked the stripper in the cake. Poor girl. Yeah. And that's it. She did. They have a little laugh. They have a cheeky little laugh. That's a pretty good bit, though. They open the cake and there's like steam coming out. It's a pretty good bit. Well, I love the look of the people at the stag party. It was a lot of folks with like mutton chops and three-piece suits. All the same people from the first movie. Yeah, from the Mamushka. The party people. Yeah, welcome home party, I believe that was. Definitely not a movie for kids, though. It's not a family blockbuster. No. They do get married. The kids get to come home for the wedding ceremony. Wednesday brings Joel. Oh, I got a good one for this. Thing is the ring bearer. Pugsley is the thing bearer. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, and it's a good joke. At the very end, they throw the bouquet and Wednesday catches it. And some, some, someone calls Wednesday a tramp. Yeah. Again, maybe not. Old ladies, single ladies do be bitter at weddings though sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Fester and Debbie go on honeymoon in Honolulu and the homicides begin. She tries to kill him in the bathtub and he loves it. And then they bang. Yeah. That sex scene is real bad. Hate it a lot. (laughs) They do film, (laughs) if not penetration, then the moment of insertion. (laughs) The split second before penetration, they they cut away. Uh, Really, they play it up. And that was a thing that I never wanted to see Christopher Lloyd do, let alone Christopher Lloyd playing the character of Uncle Fester. I would rather watch Christopher Lloyd stab a million apples out of little boy's (laughs) hands. What's she, Ashport? Oh, apple. <laughs> I would rather watch a million knives stabbed into Christopher Lloyd's butthole <laughs> than watch his O face, his Sylvester Stallone style cyber sex helmet O face. It's a nightmare. Speaking of a great helmet, how about Gomez's top hat at the wedding? Stunning. Oh, anyway, that's so all I good. have for that. All the looks are great. Um, his little matador outfit at the uh, Gomez's uh, outfit at the um, restaurant was pretty good. Uh, the one thing they should have banned at that restaurant, and they were playing like a thing, and the fake drummer they had was doing some buck wild stuff. And it really took me out of the moment, if I'm being honest. I tried not to focus on the background too much. Fester be looking like a snack. Fester, Fester gets a new little, he gets a little sailor boy wig and a new little jacket. He's sworn away from his family. Yes, Debbie says if you wanna if you wanna like get at this, then you cannot talk to your family at all. And he agrees. He writes everybody letters and says, "Sorry, it too good. I cannot talk to you anymore." Undeterred, the family shows up, and I appreciate Morticia rolls up and she's like, "Hey, you've got my brother-in-law under your sexual spell. Respect, mm-hmm. but we do need to see him and talk to him real mm-hmm. quick." And Debbie says, absolutely not. And I just thought that was that was like so great of her because no one's really mad about it. They're like, no, 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 no. We get what you're doing. Good on you. Congratulations. He's a rich guy. You got him. Mm-hmm. But like you just need to do it like with uh, with us involved as well. Yeah, that's the problem is she didn't realize how good she had it. She was fitting in really well with the family just with her vibe. She's a perfect Adams, honestly. 
they never are at any point after this. They, they're always on board. They're like, whatever your thing is that you are with Fester, cool. That's great. We love that. Just we, we, we need to be involved. And even later when, um, spoiler, she does try to kill them. They're all fine with it. No one's mad. Mm-mm. They're like, hey, game recognized game. You got us. Let's see how it plays out. The bit there that all their hands are bound and she's like, don't, did any of you love me? And then Gomez goes, hands? And nobody could raise their hand. I love that joke. <laughs> yes. Granny is also kind of like, okay, but she does give her a little curse. She gives her like a skull curse, which is nice. Times are tough back at the camp. Wednesday and the gang are being tortured with wholesomeness. Mm-hmm. Forced to watch Sound of Music, Brady Bunch, Little Mermaid. Yeah. And then they come out and they say, we're on board now. They are being forced to be in a play. And they say, we'll do it. And Wednesday forces herself to smile. And all of the kids take like an involuntary step backwards. <laughs> and that uh, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. So the baby is now infected with ordinariness because he's been away from his family for too long. So they decide they need to get the whole family back together. I really did like the scene that Gomez was like reporting this to the police, to Nathan, to Nathan Lane. <laughs> Someone has married my brother. No. She took him to Hawaii. Get out of here. Who are you? What are you? Who moved the rock? Nathan Lane. Oh, my goodness. I seek justice. Denied. Everything is so good. Everyone's raising their hands. <laughs> oh, Nathan Lane. Oh, they, they're like. They have moved into a large, expensive home where they make love constantly. I hate when that happens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we hate it, too. They get arrested. and They don't ever go to jail, but he says, that's it. Lock them up. Lock them up. I'm sick of these guys. So, yeah, this is where Pubert's a normal baby. And they're thinking he's possessed. And a great bit where Morticia reads him the cat in the hat. She's accepted that he's just a normal baby. This like broke my heart. Yeah, but then she she skips to the end of Cat in the Hat and she's she's heartbroken because she realizes that the cat does not die at the end. <laughs> oh no. He lives. That was like such a beautiful moment because She's like an Adams, but she has this regular baby. And so she's like, well, I have to do regular baby stuff. And she's reading Cat in the Hat to him. And she's like, oh, you actually like this, huh? And it's like, you can see her go, ugh, but this is what my baby needs. And I don't know that. I thought that was such a beautiful moment. That was very nice. It is a good spot of the movie. It's a good point. It shows that they have empathy. They're not only monsters. So running bit in the movie at this point, even a honeymoon, Joan Cusack throws a toaster into the hot tub with Fester trying to kill him, makes all the trappings of someone being electrocuted, and then he lights the room up with the uh, light bulb in his mouth. That's a nod to the TV show with Jackie Coogan. That's the thing he does. He puts a light bulb in his mouth and it lights up. But at this point in the flick, she is giving him a Valentine's Day gift or a three-week gift, whatever it is, and it's a, just a huge bomb in a box. Yeah, anniversary. And what I loved was Fester starts guessing what's in it. He's like, "Is it strange?" And she's like, "No, you know, you gotta don't 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 bother guessing and don't peek." And he's like, "It's a bomb." So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he feels badly, he, and she says, "No, it's not a bomb." And he's like, "Ah, oh. I know." Wait for my birthday. She has finally met her match. But thinking she's gotten him in the bag, so to speak, she goes to celebrate at the bar with some sailors. And we have our next big cameo. 
Tony Shalhoub. Oh, man. Because in the last movie, we had Monk's dad. His first line is, feel my muscles. <laughs> I've never felt Tony Shalhoub's arm, but if I had to guess, I'd say he's probably got some pretty good muscles. Good bicep. <laughs> like he's chiseled from marble. <laughs> yes. Um, Debbie goes home. The house does do and explode, but obviously Fester is fine. Much shalub about nothing. He comes out and she calls him a big, dumb, weird thing. Well, she ain't wrong. And whips out a gat. He's saved by Thing. Thing comes to the rescue and drives him home in a little madcap. Kind of tunes the driving cat scene here. And now it's time for the Thanksgiving play at summer camp for some reason. Well, there's no such thing as Thanksgiving camp or like fall camp. So that's true. Maybe the year before that they did Halloween. Year before that they did Labor Day. This is Yanosha's vision. That's true. At this place, they would have done a lot of Columbus Day probably most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, the play is a little bit weird. It's pretty bad. It's not great. But Wednesday has her own little particular fan edit. And they do do several homicides. Several homicide attempts. I don't think anybody died in this one. I don't know. Joel was ready to kill his parents. I don't know. He was ready. Well, maybe. He knew where his parents were going to sit. He had that rigged. That's a good point. Maybe he did do a Menendez Brothers. They didn't say the Menendez Brother cards. Is that too soon? The people that they were literally spit roasting over I the fire. Yeah, that's true. Those people are probably dead. The camp counselors that they were roasting and spinning and as they're screaming in pain. Also, the little girl who was tied to the posts surrounded by gasoline and logs and Wednesday, as Sam's background indicates, is lighting the match to murder this child. Not good. Well, it's fine. They escape. It's fine. Everything's fine. They make it home. She's on the plane home. Yeah, yeah, they're out of here. Although there was one last moment, she leaps the fence and her and Joel have a perfect moment. They have a kiss through the chain link fence and then they both immediately wipe their mouths. Yeah, it was good. It was good. They're still kids, even though one's an Adams. She's still a kid. Gomez is dying. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low. My baby is ill. Sweet and my husband is dying. They've all come to join him on his deathbed. Is that, and I think we talked about, I mean, we definitely talked about this already, but I mean, the house has magic a certain degree of magic, but also just their togetherness has a lot to do with it. Fester being away, uh, at least for the first movie, didn't change all that much, but Fester, Pugsley, and Wednesday being away is enough to almost kill Gomez and change the baby to a blonde-haired normie. I think so. I think it was like a lot of, because Debbie had so thoroughly dismantled the family, because when Fester went away initially, I think he honestly went to find his way in the world. You know what I mean? He went out to find himself and just so happened to get amnesia in the Bermuda Triangle. Mm -hmm. As you do. Whereas at this point, the family was being sabotaged. So I think the collective Adam's unconscious manifested pubert to be normal to trigger them and let them know that something was wrong the check engine light so to speak but yeah debbie um they all come home they're all they're all reunited they all confront debbie but she gets the drop on them and imprisons them all in electric chairs and is about to execute them where the baby busts loose he comes back to normal love those baby graphics yeah 
the baby sequence when the baby was flung through the skylight into into the lower atmosphere <laughs> touching the airplane i loved it there was a couple of actual physical laughs but this was a real actual belly laugh i had to pause the movie to finish laughing because i needed to take some notes it was very good at the very end debbie is gets her comeuppance and she's electrocuted and turned into ashes well, everybody laughs. I liked the CG of the electricity where I didn't like the freezing CG and Demolition Man. They were kind of similar, but it felt like this was a softer touch. Maybe the CG of the electricity going through the wires and the joke density doesn't allow for it to just be a cremation. It has to be. There's a couple gold cards left on the ash pile. <laughs> yeah, some American Express cards. Problem is, is that the whole time Debbie was doing her like monologue, everyone was on board and Granny specifically was like, oh, yeah, obviously you had to kill him, which I thought was really I felt very badly. I thought that at the very end, Debbie was going to be welcomed into the fold because they were like, oh, well, you're you're just like us. You're just uh, you're an Adams kind of people. But it didn't work out. She died. She was ashes. But there is an epilogue. Fester finds an, a lady love in dementia at a puberty birthday party. Joel shows up again as a little Gomez Jr., which I, which is, as Wednesday puts it, is disturbing. Which she would like. Yeah, I definitely agree. <laughs> I guess she would like. But he needs to find his own thing. And, you know, in further movies, if this was a uh, Hotel Transylvania kind of situation in the third movie, he would struggle to find his own thing and then find it. In this instance, he does get jump scared, presumably to death by the reincarnated body of Debbie. How do you reincarnate an ash body? I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was going to be that that was thing coming out of the, you know, they were going to show like, you know, and then have it walk oh, away. Oh, that's good. But it was a full, it was like a full arm though. Maybe it was Pugsley. It was a good, I like that. That was a jump scare to end and to end that an even bigger jump scare because I believe MC Hammer returned to sing us on our way. Mm, that's tag team. Ooh, tag team. That's tag team. And they do the song, Whoop Adam's Family, There It Is, which is, uh, you might say a little derivative of Whoop There It Is. I just assumed it was MC Hammer again. Interesting. I don't see how that's derivative, Sam. Can you explain it? Uh, I have a song that can explain it. It's called, hang on. <laughs> Sorry, we'll cut this, but. Whoop, there it is. I swear if that's what he says. No, it's it's <laughs> called it's called American Adam's Family Pie. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Or or I may, maybe I have another one that is uh, OP Adam's Family P. Or. Um, I'm just putting Adam's Family in the middle of popular song titles. Oh, I see. Back that Adam's Family up. That's actually a pretty good one. That's that is good. good. That's better, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> Use a fine Uncle Fester when you back that Adam's Family up. <laughs> Joel, who is you playing with? Back that Adam's Family up. Call me Big Gomez when you back that Adam's Family up. We have to get out of this loop. Let's head over to the comic convergence. Not too much to converge here. More so covered it in the first one. Yeah, this is an adaptation of the you know comic strip from the New Yorker, and basically the 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 same old cool stuff. I do want to mention there was a planned sequel. They were going to keep these going, but unfortunately, Raul Julia did 
pass away. Yeah, he got to stomach cancer, so that didn't work out. They did make a movie. He did. I'm just happy he got to get with his friends again because it was clear he loved this. He loved this role. He's he often said that um, this was one of the favorite things he'd ever done. People would stop him on the street, and he always loved that that people knew him as Gomez. But uh, they did make a, se- a, a sequel. A, a sequel was made, and it was Adam's Family Reunion. Apparently, the best part about it was the Gomez portrayal, which was done by uh, Tim Curry. So he's a shining star. It was direct to TV. It AKA Pennywise. Does not look good. I watched a little bit of it, and I don't know. It doesn't, I don't think I, I don't think there's enough time in the world that I would check that one out. The only people to reprise their role in that one, I believe, and we say in the first episode of The Adams Family, the first Adams Family episode, is Thing and Lurch. That sounds about right. So moving on to the uh, box office, this one had a budget of $47 million, open to $14.1 million, so pretty good for this time. And the final gross was $49. So still pretty good. As far as movie goes, I'm guessing it made much more on VHS um, rentals and things like that. The critical reception on the Tomato Meter, we've got a 77% and the audience score of 63. I don't know. I think 63 is a little bit closer personally, but we will get into that. But before we do, it's time for our penultimate segment. It's the one where we discuss the things that we like and the things that we maybe didn't like so many. And then we quantify those into a single character or honestly, vaguely grouped concept. It's the segment we like to call who's your hero, who's your villain. My hero is, I got to say, Raul Julia. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. He's great. His final role. Well, kind of, they posthumously released street fighter, street fighter. Yeah, but yeah, no one can compare to Raul Julia. No, I'm, maybe Tim Curry's was good. I'm never going to see it. Yeah, it's it's possible, but no one's going to match this exact vibe, which I think is just too perfect. One of the most infectious performances to ever grace the screen, right up there with um, Gene Wilder and like Willy Wonka. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just yeah, it's it's, it's iconic. iconic. Yeah, my hero is Thing. The thing I like in this movie was Thing. He was the only one that could save Fester because she was taking shots at that car. And if it would have been like a human driving, she would have hit. (laughs) Magrata, Desert Eagle, 0.50 as well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If there were a human there, it would have been blown to pieces. But that hand, too small, too small. But, But to be sure, she couldn't kill Fester, even if she got a clean shot. No. I think his face would reform over the bullet. <laughs> well, I think if anything was going to get it done, a 50 cal round would do it. I thought for sure that he was going to reflect it back with that dinner tray he was holding. Or it would have gotten stuck in the weird amount of beef he had. <laughs> yeah, the boor pile of beef. My hero is Joel Glicker, David Crumholtz. That kid, he really goes for it. He He joins up. He burns down some buildings. He might have done a couple of murders, including his parents. But he made some changes to himself. He got a lot more confident. And um, hopefully he wasn't murdered by his own fear. So, as is our typical fashion now, I'll pick my villain. Apropos of nothing. Apropos of the last time we did it. Patterns. 
I'm going to pick Gary, the camp counselor, Janos. That's a real villain in a lot of different ways, and not least of which was his uh, face. No, his vision, his face, his vision, his screenwriting, his uh, or his excuse me, his playwriting. Yeah, he's he's pretty bad. He's a bad camp counselor. They had a lot of kids that were ostracized. Happy Hostel or whatever it was is pretty bad. <laughs> My villain is summer camp as a thing in any movie. Nothing good happens at summer camps except for wet, hot American summer. That's where murderers live, summer camps. <laughs> <laughs> Except our heroes in this instance were the murderers at the summer camp. Well, yeah, but I mean... They flipped it on its ear, Dave. It still holds. My villain is Fester. He just wanted love, sure. Maybe he's a little misunderstood, sure. But whenever I saw Thing, shudder. Yeah, that was... After they mentioned the unholy things that he probably did with that hand. Oh, you're absolutely correct. And to think that Thing would come back and still save his life at the end. All Thing wants to be is his friend and not his companion. Wow. Yeah. I'm not going to say that Fester's not his type. Fester's got two things that are (laughs) his type. (laughs) And so does everybody else. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, but yeah, I don't think Fester should have done those things. No, uh, no, no, and I don't think I don't think Gomez <laughs> should be promoting that kind of behavior. If we're being honest, yeah, and he's looking at his his mom naked and stuff, and that's just all of it makes me feel bad. <laughs> yeah, it's all bad. Yeah. It's all gross. It's all the weird men and the women who avoid them. Uh, well, okay, now that being said, would you guys recommend folks check this movie out if they haven't already? Wholeheartedly, yes. I laughed from start to finish. Just like the first one, joke dense. They can't kill the Adams Family vibe. It's not as good of a movie maybe as the first one, but as you said, as a vehicle for the Adams Family to do their business, it's it's wall-to-wall Adams Family. I know we've talked about Blank Check before, but did they cover this movie? Because it feels like this was a Blank Check moment. No, they haven't done Tonnenfeld yet. This movie's wild. They put a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of things. I would not expect to be in PG-13. It's really kind of stretching their wings. You say wangs? Wangs. They're stretching their wangs. <laughs> That's what Sylvester Stallone's doing with, with what's left of his body doubles. Yes. Stretching <laughs> their wangs. He's doing something to them, and I don't honestly at this point want to know. I don't know how I felt. I'm, I'm still a little bit up in the air. I'm still not sure how I, I feel about this movie. I think there's a lot of times where I laughed. If you like the first movie and are curious, I think it's worth checking out. I think the first, I enjoyed the first one a lot more in regards to some of the other movies that we've watched for the show. This is a much better movie. I think it's a good movie and it's, I don't know, I'm I'm conflicted. I think it's a solidly above average movie. And that's, if you like the first one, check it out and see for yourself. I would say though, this is, this is better than what we said for TMNT 3, this to TMNT 3 is is definitely not as good as Adam's Family to Adam's Family Values. They, this is a much better sequel. You'd be crazy to only watch this one, but if you watched the first one, you'd be crazy not to watch this one, I think. I think I agree with the first statement. Don't know about the second statement. I think if you like the first one, you don't have to see this one, but if you want some more, it's here for you. Fair enough. All right. Well, let us know what you think. I think this is a heated debate. And 
and hopefully we'll check that out. If you listen to the the show on Spotify, there's some 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 polls that go up along with the episode, so be sure to uh, click on those. <laughs> also, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Oh, we're on TikTok too, baby. S- uh, uh, send us send us some some sounds. Send us some some vibes. And we'll be sure to interact with that. Thank you for sticking around. Thank you for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and sub. Hit us up on our social media. That's all handled by the man, the myth, the legend, the face of Dave himself. It's Dave. Yeah, hit me up there. I will uh, read every single interaction on Twitter. Uh, it's an obsession. I, I can't not... So please hit me up. I need the serotonin. Yeah, give him something to do during his days. Give him some thoughts to read. Let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about. Let us know what you thought about the Adams family. You can hit Sam up at PGH underscore SVH. I am at PGH underscore read on Twitter. Uh, Be sure to check out Transmetropolitan for our comic book of the month club. And that'll happen in the next episode. Uh, we'll read and talk about that. There's another connection. Oh, Oscar Isaacs plays Gomez Adams in the new cartoon Adams Family. We mentioned that before. Also plays Moon Knight in a show that Warren Ellis wrote a run on the character. And Warren Ellis wrote Transmetropolitan, which we'll cover next week. And David Kermholtz looks a lot like Oscar Isaac, and I thought the Oscar Isaac was in this one. So until we meet again, we'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. Have you ever seen David Krumholtz and Oscar Isaac in the same room? <laughs> Have you seen Jake Johnson in the same room as Oscar Isaac and David Krumholtz? Oh, man. That's a real... That's I'm going to send you guys a picture. This is a real Santa Claus scenario. They're all the same guy. Yeah, they're, they're all the same. Pretty close. They're all three, 43 years old. No way. They're all the same age? Wow. I really loved the guy from New Girl in Inside Lewin Davis. Oh, no, that's the guy from the Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I loved Oscar Isaacs as the head elf. I really like Jake Johnson in numbers. I keep calling him Oscar Isaacs. His name is Oscar Isaac. Wasn't that David Krumholtz's Apocalypse? <laughs>